0: Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Finland.
1: Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering.
0: If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. We, we are thrilled to have Buddy with us again. Mate, Mate, now are you on? Because I'd love to just hear, hear from you briefly. You Let's want, do that. There you go. go. There. Wonderful. Yes. Um, you came back. I came back. Yeah. And we're thrilled about that. I'm you... thrilled to be back. <laughs> We got to know Putty a little bit last year. (laughs) Um, uh, I've personally, I've been doing soccer in the School of Kingdom Ministry this Mm. year for the last nine months, so I've listened to Putty or or Dan uh, each week for the last uh, nine months. So I kind of feel like I've got to know you quite well. Yes, you have. For for those of us who don't know you very well, tell us, uh, first tell us who's in your family. I think we might have a quick picture.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I am a husband of one and a father of three. And so uh, there's, there's a picture okay. of my, my wife and my kiddos there, and that about perfectly represents all of their personalities in that photo right there. You can see it.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And what do you do back home?
2: Uh, I am a uh, vineyard pastor as well, uh, back in Illinois, a couple hours south of Chicago. And uh, I get to do uh, a lot of different things. I uh, love to teach and preach and communicate, but also to train and disciple people. And so I've got a lot of focus there. Okay,
0: fantastic. Now, you guys arrived on Thursday, I think. Is that right? We did, about
2: uh, 7 a.m. on okay, Thursday. Okay, yep. And yep.
0: you you're here right through to the end of next weekend? That's exactly right, yep. So, um, guys, if you haven't booked in for next weekend's conference and you'd like to come to that, you still can. Uh, we'd love to have you there. But We're double dip double dip you can come to both come again why not yeah yeah um i'm certainly we we missed out a bit on this last weekend so we're looking forward to it but um i just want to guys i just want to recommend putty to you if you haven't heard Mm. him we we love having him here and we're excited to see what he's going to bring this morning what the lord's going to say through you Mm. um so thank you thank you so much for coming Mm. we'd love to pray for you so let's do that now
1: Fantastic. excellent um We'd love you to just uh, put out a hand to pray for Putty, but what I'd like you to do with the other hand is I'd like you to you know, invite you to hold it open and ready to receive. The thing um, with uh, what God has been doing through putty, um has been phenomenal last year, this year, um, and we don't want to miss out with what God is doing, do we? We want all that God has for us. Sometimes we don't understand it, and it's kind of a bit hard to fathom, but he knows, and that's okay. we just got to be open. So I'd love to invite you to put one hand out and one hand open um, as we pray for Putty this morning. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Putty. First this morning, Lord, we want to pray for his family. We want to thank you for Brittany and the girls, and the son, the son as well. Yeah. And we ask Father that you would bless them right mm. now, where they are, yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you would fall on them, that you would fill them, that you would give Brittany everything she needs, mm. Lord, um, to hold the fort mm. at home. Mm. We ask for extra blessing and extra presence. Mm-hmm. And Lord, we thank you for Putty, we thank you for what you've put on his heart, and we just pray you would release it now to us in Jesus mm. name. Mm. Lord, we are open, we are waiting, we are ready to hear what it is that you have to say to us, Lord. Mm. We want to go home changed. We don't want to be the same as what we walked in Mm. this morning. And so we ask, Father, that you would use putty as your mouthpiece, the things that you've put in him, the things that you have planted in him, Father, would you scatter those seeds in us? In Jesus' name, Mm. amen.
2: Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah, I'll just pull it down here real quick. Oh, good morning, all. It is just a deep, deep pleasure of mine to be with you today. Uh, last year, as I was here, there was just this real um, kinship that the father just uh, poured into my heart for uh, Australia and my vineyard family here and so I have really, for the last 12 months, looking, been looking forward to coming back and uh, just getting some time with you guys, and so I'm, I'm thrilled that we get to be together uh, this morning and any of the other parts that you may be participating in in the, in the next uh, 10 days or so or whatever. Um, today I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited about our message, um, and I want to start by talking uh, briefly about a story uh, of a man named Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was an Austrian psychiatrist, and he was a survivor of the Holocaust. In 1942, he was captured, and he was brought off to a uh, concentration camp along with his wife and his children. And over the next three years, he was shuffled to four different concentration camps. And by the time he was liberated in 1945... He had experienced far more than his fair share of suffering and death, including the casualties of the entire rest of his family. Now, while Victor was in uh, the Holocaust, he didn't cease to be a psychiatrist, and he found himself kind of in uh, the most extreme uh, lab ever designed by humanity uh, of pain and suffering. And so he began to ask himself some questions. And chiefly, he, the, the question he asked was, you know, obviously in a, in a situation like the Holocaust, there is all kinds of things completely outside of your control. You don't get to determine whether you survive the Holocaust or not. But what are, what are, what are the things that give you the best odds? What, what are the people who are going to survive the Holocaust have in common? This is the question he asked himself. What, it, what does it take to survive under these extremely difficult conditions? And he published uh, what he discovered through those three years in, in a, a best-selling book. It's called uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Very, very interesting book. It's a, it's a hard book to read because he recounts a lot of his experiences, uh, but, it, it, but it's a really powerful book if you ever um, want to take the time to read it what he discovered basically boiled down to one thing. The people who were living for something more than their present experience were the people that had a shot of surviving the Holocaust. The people whose life counted for more than just themselves whose life had a meaning that transcended their own those are the people that had the 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 capacity the capability to keep getting up in the face of disappointment and heartache and pain and struggle and if you didn't have that then what would happen is eventually you'd succumb to the conditions day by day would wear on to months would wear on to years and eventually you you just give up you just give up it's too much it's too hard what Victor discovered is that our need for meaning, our need for significance, is actually a fundamental human need. In his case, it was, it was literally a matter of life and death. In our case, I think it is actually a matter of life and death just in a, a more subtle way. It's a matter of life and death in, in, the, in the sense of uh, apathy and depression numbing ourselves due to our kind of inner sense of dis-ease about life. Our meaning, our sense of meaning, is actually a God-given human need. What I want to ask today is this. What does it look like for our faith to provide that level of meaning for us? What would it look like for our Christianity? Because if if it's a God-given human need, then God hasn't forgotten about it in our faith. He hasn't. He is not like, oh, I'm going to give him this, this Christianity thing, but it's not going to give him a deep and rich and profound sense of significance and meaning. He didn't do that. That's not, that's not the plan. But if we're like gut, gut, gut level honest with ourselves, I think the truth is, is for many of us, it's, it's hard to feel like we get that much significance from our faith? Well, now we all know we should, right? All of us could give the right answer. But if you look at our activities, if you look at our behaviors, if you look at what we, what we spend our passions on, is it always our faith? I was talking with Scott yesterday. He, he informs me that yesterday was the, the AFL championship, Right? Now, I don't know anything about the teams enough to make any kind of comments about who won and who lost and whatever, so you can fill me in later if you like, right? But he told me, he said, you know, if you want to see an Aussie man just going wild, I'm going to be watching the game this afternoon. You know, you can come over and I'll be jumping and shouting and, and all of this, right? Now, and that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. There is something wrong if he'll jump and shout at a game on TV, but he won't jump and shout for Jesus, if he'll do it for the sports, but he won't do it for the Lord, then what is he really living for? What's really giving him meaning and significance? You know, I think I think if this thing is, is the thing that's really giving us meaning and significance, then it means we probably make really radical choices and decisions. Ascent, things like this, things that we go, what? Things that people, well, yeah, my, my, my work offered me a promotion, but I turned it down because I realized that that would take more time away from the work God's called me to. Do we ask ourselves questions like that? Well, sure, the extra money would be nice, but the extra money isn't going to contribute to my meaning. What does it look like to have our journey of faith meet that deep human need? Well, we know it certainly did for Jesus. Jesus lived a life of radical purpose. I mean, if you think about it, on the outside, the guy had nothing. He, he, he left his family, right, from home, never got married, never had kids, never had money hung out with all the lowest people of society, was constantly critiqued, was constantly rejected, and eventually was betrayed by his own best friends and knew it was coming. This is a pretty radical life of sacrifice. And, and Jesus didn't do it because he knew it was all the right answer. He wasn't making these choices because he knew that's what he was, quote, supposed to do. See, sacrifice can come from religious obligation, or it can come from the joy of something greater. I, I, I recently, this year, finally finished a, a four-year project to renovate my basement, I started and I was like, I'm going to get this done in six months. And, you know, four years later, I'm finally, finally polishing it off. And, you know, along the way, I spent hundreds of hours. I spent thousands of dollars that I could have given to my, you know, I could have spent the time with my family. I could have spent the money in a lot of other ways. And I did it all on purpose. Nobody told me, give up these thousands of dollars that you could spend other ways, I did it all on purpose. Why? Because in my estimation, in my calculation, it wasn't a sacrifice, it was an investment. It was a, I pour into something and I'm actually going to get more out of it. I'm going to get more out of this time and money if I spend it this way. And Jesus, the radical life that he lives, the radical life of purpose, he saw as an investment, not as a sacrifice. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He didn't endure the cross because he was supposed to. He endured the cross because he knew he was getting something better. So what is the better that motivated Jesus to live such a radical life? Such such a, a profound, such a ridiculous life, we might even say. Well, the answer is, it's the kingdom. Jesus was captivated by the kingdom of God. It was just, here's kind of a quick highlight. Sometimes I think we, we don't even know, realize how significant it was for him. First of all, it's his core message. Everywhere he goes, that's what he's preaching. And, and he'll be in the middle of the most profound revival. And he'll be like, this is great, but I have to go over there because they don't know the kingdom yet. <laughs> He's got like the meetings that all of us pray for for years. <laughs> you know, the paralytics are getting healed. The demon come out, ah, the person gets healed. And, you know, all of these people getting saved, incredible things. And he's like, yeah, but they don't know about the kingdom yet. So I got I to gotta keep moving. It's his core message. It's why he went from town to town to share. It's what he told his parables about. How many times the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. It's the highest priority that he told us to have. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's the birthright of those of us that are born again. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It was the motivation that he gave to avoid sin. If you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom. Not, you should do these things, they're the right thing to do. But if you give up that, you'll get this, and it's worth that. And it was illustrated by his miraculous ministry. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then surely you know the kingdom of God has come among you. And it was why he raised up disciples and he sent them out to magnify and to multiply his ministry of the kingdom of God. The kingdom, God's activity on earth, was the most precious thing in Jesus' life. See, here's what I have discovered, and here's the profound confronting truth for all of us. The kingdom is bigger than our lives, And if we want to have a life of meaning, if we want to have a life where we feel a sense of significance, there's this profound exchange that Jesus asks us to make. And he says, you can have the life that is more dynamic, more fruitful, more amazing, more exciting than you can imagine. But the trade is you don't get to be in control of it. The kingdom doesn't (laughs) <laughs> we don't get the kingdom. The kingdom gets us. The kingdom gets us. And this is a big and important shift for us to make. You see, we, we um, in, in the West, we like education. We like, we like to know things. We like to understand things. And so we can think that if I understand the kingdom, I've got the point of it. And we don't, have, we don't have the point at all. And so it's not enough for us to learn about the kingdom. It's not enough for us for the kingdom to make sense to us. That's I get the kingdom. But it doesn't work that way. The kingdom is bigger than our lives. And the kingdom is meant to kind of swallow us up. We get to be a part of what it is doing, not the other way around. And if we will allow Jesus' kingdom to swallow our lives up, here's what you'll find. That need that you have for significance and purpose and meaning, the need that you have that is literally the need to be a part of something bigger than your life, it will be met by the kingdom. It will be met by the kingdom. And until that happens, you can think I'm having a great life because I feel in control of my own life but you will have this inner anxiety and, and numbness and, and, and these things because you have a need to belong to something bigger than you. And God has a plan for it. It's called the kingdom. Now, I'm not saying all of these things because I haven't had my own journey here. I have had my own massive journey here. When I'm first came to this, this goofy tribe called the Vineyard. <laughs> I, I was not used to any of this stuff. I, I grew up in the church, and I grew up uh, in, in uh, the Baptist church. Now, I don't know. I assume you guys probably have Baptists here at least. I'm not sure if they're you know, similar to our Baptists in, in the U.S. They are. We're seeing, we're seeing nods. It, it, my, my version of, of, of the Baptist church was very Jesus-centered, so beautiful, very Bible-centered. Got a lot of wonderful things. I, under, I learned how to belong to a church, how to cultivate a relationship with Jesus, all of these beautiful things. But what I did not get was any, any connection to the Holy Spirit and any kingdom activity happening. And so I, I grew up in this church. I, from the youngest age I can remember, I knew Jesus. I was a leader, you know, since, I don't know, 10 years old. I was, I was the kid in our church that, you know, all the other parents are, like, secretly a little jealous of our parents. <laughs> you know, I never took a walk on the wild side. I never fell away from the Lord. I, was, I would do devotions, daily devotions at 12 years old. I'm that kid, right? <laughs> and my dad… <laughs> you guys are all laughing at me. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I'm that kid… And my dad worked for a denomination basically for my entire life until about two years ago. And so I'm always around pastors. I'm always around churches. I go to a Christian college. I I mean, church is my life. But when I come to this tribe called the Vineyard, I, I, I run into something I've never seen before. And it confronts me because I'm with this group of people that have been gripped by something that even though I loved and followed Jesus with everything I had, I had not been gripped by it like they were. And it took, for me, it was a long journey. I wish I could say that all of that training paid off and I recognized God quickly and I got on the same page with Him quickly. It was not that. It was the opposite of that. First time I came to a, to, a, to a vineyard, I'm sitting kind of maybe right about where either of these people are in the, in the kind of white, and I'm, I'm like, okay, this is kind of a different church. These people are energetic, <laughs> you know? And the guy comes up at the end of the service, and, and um, it, it, at, our, at our church, we didn't do uh, the, the ministry kind of in the middle of the service like you guys did there, so it was kind of the sneak attack at the end. And... <laughs> And the guy, the guy pops up, and, and he says, hey, you know, here at the vineyard, we believe God still talks, God still heals, God still does all of this stuff, and he lists awesome word of knowledge, just, just like we saw, you know, here today, and he said, we got a prayer team, and, you know, let's, let's do some prayer, you, you, the Lord may touch you, He may heal you, whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, hold on, I've never seen any of this. At least in the U.S., part of being a good Baptist is knowing that you know everything. And so... And so, having never seen any of this, and being as deeply exposed as I could be, you know, I'm immediately like, these people are crazy. I don't know what they think they're doing, but they are insane. And so, kind of week by week, I find myself scooting further and further back, (laughs) till I'm in the back row, shaking my head, judging all of this kingdom of God stuff for four years, so I don't speak to you as one who does not know what it's like to, to, to be <laughs> uh, uh, closed. I know what it's like to be closed. I know what it's like to want to hold on to the control of your own life. I know what it's like to be, I don't, I don't want to open up to that. I don't want to be one of those weird people. I want to do the things I see them doing. I get all of that, and that is okay. (laughs) But I also can speak to you as someone who has gone from that place to the place where after four years, God did sneak up on me. It took him four years to get me navigated in the corner so that there's no other place to go. (laughs) And then he pounced on me. And it was profound, and it was beautiful. I wish I had the time to go into the whole story. And it shook me up, and it confused me before it excited me. But I, I couldn't deny that it was God. I was too far in the corner. There's no room left. I knew it was God. And what happened for me was I, I came out of, out of that experience, and, uh, and I was confused, but I knew it was God. And so I, I said, i got to learn some more about this. Now, a little bit about my background. Before the Lord called me into ministry, I was, I was headed down a very different path. I, I have a, a PhD in theoretical quantum physics. I'm not joking. <laughs> Can I show you my dissertation if you want to see it? And the university that that I studied at is, is one of the top ones in the US. In some areas of physics, it's actually literally the best university in the world. And I was good in our department. There's plaques with my name on it in our physics department. So I was not a drop-out physicist who couldn't hack it. I was very good. <laughs> But what happens is after this experience and, and after um, I begin to, to kind of rub up against this kingdom that's bigger than my life, I realize that after two years when I defend my thesis and I'm looking at what are the, what are the next things that I can do, what are the next you know, places that, that I'm supposed to take, I realize I'm at a fork in the road. And I can either choose to continue my, my promising physics career <laughs> Or I can sell all that I have to buy the field and get the kingdom, as Jesus says. Now, I'm not saying that the kingdom and physics can't fit together. I'm just saying in my life, that was how it worked out. And I thought about that, and that was hard. It wasn't easy. It was hard. But I decided, you know what? Well, Jesus pretty much told us what to do here, so suppose suppose I should do it. Because what I don't want to do is five years down the road, look back and say, I knew what God was asking me to do, but I was too chicken to do it. I wouldn't be able to live with myself long run with that. And so I did it. I crash landed a career in physics, no plan to stay, where, uh, to stay and do what God was doing. And fortunately for me, the Lord along the way told our senior pastor, at the time senior pastor, and said, hey, bring this guy on staff. So he offers me a job. I tell you something, when I started on staff at our church, I was making less than one sixth of the median salary for my degree. One sixth. And in the 10 years since then, I've been called a heretic, I've been attacked by people from our church and from other churches. I've had articles written about me on the internet and published. I've had all kinds of conversations and critiques. And I've also gotten to see the sick healed, and the demonized set free, and the lost come to know Jesus. And it has been the most thrilling and beautiful adventure. And I have not, in the last 10 years, for one second, regretted that choice. It hasn't been easy, but what's happened is that I've been swallowed up by something bigger than me. And being swallowed up by that has provided that deepest sense of purpose, significance, and meaning. And I know now what it is to be alive it's beautiful and it's amazing. And so th- the question that i have for us today is this where have you sold all that you have to buy the field? Because the kingdom will ask something of you. The kingdom the kingdom of god is sort of like a bully. It doesn't share space. It doesn't. The kingdom of God comes into our lives and says, oh, you think you're in charge? That's really funny. (laughs) And one way or another, it will confront us and push us to the point where we surrender our lives and they become out of our control and in His. And until that happens, you're not in the kingdom of God, you're in the kingdom of you. (laughs) until that, thank you, our national director saying that, I'll say it again. (laughs) Until that happens, you are not in the kingdom of God. You're in the kingdom of you. It is your rule and your reign over your life. I stand in front of you today as someone who loved and followed Jesus, but was in control of his own life. It's possible to love and follow Jesus, but not have his kingdom swallowed up our life. And having made the hard journey, mostly with resistance, don't think too highly of me, but having made the hard journey, I think I want to stand before us today and just ask us to ask ourselves that question. How much has the kingdom gripped me? How much has the kingdom swallowed my life up? Because it's quite possible that it hasn't. And I mean that with no shame and no condemnation. I guarantee you have not resisted as much as I resist. So, so, so no shame and no condemnation, but it's a question we gotta ask ourselves. Has the kingdom really gripped me Am I living the way that Jesus lived? That radically. That purposefully. And seeing it as an investment, not a sacrifice. Because if you're not there, again, no shame, no condemnation, but let's realize your next step is to get there. It's not to do anything else. The the next step, is for Jesus' kingdom to get your life. That is the beginning. That is the first step. That's why this was Jesus' message. Guys, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is now at hand. So repent and believe this gospel. So set aside a life that you had before where the kingdom of you was at hand and get on board with this reality, that the kingdom of Jesus is at hand. And when that kingdom grips your life, it changes everything for you. And interestingly, it'll grip your life again and again and again and again. And each time, it actually gets better. Each time it gets better, it's such a beautiful thing to be like rolling along with the Holy Spirit on the roller coaster of life. It is. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Let's everybody stand. I know this message is a little bit prophetic, it's a little bit confrontational. But I, but I hope you can see the, the smile on my face and the love in my heart as I say it. <laughs> just put your hands out. Let's just, let's just pray, just, just a little bit. Jesus, your kingdom gripped my life, even when I didn't want it to. right now, I just, you know, I got the microphone right now, so I'm just going to ask Jesus, would your kingdom begin to grip our lives, even if we don't want it to? Maybe especially if we don't want it to, God. God, I, I ask Jesus that you would give us the grace, Lord, to look at our lives without shame, without condemnation. But look at our lives and see, have we been gripped by your kingdom? And Lord, those of us that that haven't, I just ask, Lord, for a grace to say yes to you and your kingdom in a new way. To repent and believe. To choose to lay down the control over our lives and take the step into something bigger and more beautiful than us. The eternal story that we get to get woven into. The most significant purpose in the whole universe. Your rule and your reign being established over your creation. And so Lord, would you give us the grace for that? Lord, I pray as well for those of us who are on this kingdom adventure, and, and maybe we've, we've been seized, but it's been a little while, and if we're honest, we find ourselves in the driver's seat again. We've, we've a little bit fallen away from our first love, Jesus. And I ask God for us that are in that place, would your kingdom grip us again? Would your kingdom grip us again? You promised glory to glory, Lord. You promised layer upon layer in this thing. And God, we've gotten comfortable where we're at. Would you discomfort us with your comforter? (laughs) Would you discomfort us, God, so that we lean on your comforter? Yes, Lord. Some of that for you here. Thank you, Lord. Here's what, what I want to do. If, if either of those two things, just, just an honest awareness that you're a little more in the driver's seat than you need to be, maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time. But if that's where you're at in any way, shape, or form, and you want to make a choice to choose to repent and believe. There's a layer of that that's our choice. Then what I want to do is just, just as a response, I, I want to invite you to just kind of come up in this center area here and to kneel. If you can. If, if you've got a knee problem or something, that's okay. We can sit in one of the front row chairs maybe or something like that. But I, I just think it's, it's important for us to, to choose to, to lay ourselves down And allow his kingdom to grip us. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I know people are kind of still making making their way up here, but when everybody gets up here and, and when everybody gets kind of settled, <laughs> uh, what I'd love to do is, is make this a family moment of <laughs> the body of Christ together. And so if you're if you're part of the family here, whether like locally or internationally, <laughs> and you're willing to, would you would you come up and just and just kind of lay hands and, and, and come into agreement with our brothers and sisters who are doing a holy thing right now, a beautiful, a holy thing, yeah. And I'll, I'll just kind of be, begin to, to pray a little bit, but uh, as, as you feel led or as you, you're inspired to, just feel free to pray as well. Lord, we just say we surrender to you and your Lordship. God, we say that we don't want to be the king of our own lives. We don't want to to live in the kingdom of us. We want to live in the kingdom of God. We want to be so gripped and so seized by your reality flowing into our world, God, that we are living that beautiful, out-of-our-control, in-yours adventure, (laughs) And so God, right now, today, this morning, we ask that you would take the offering, the sacrifice of our lives. This is, this is our, our spiritual act of worship, God. We are literally right now presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to you. Would you take our lives, God? Would you take our lives and would your kingdom break through into them? Would your kingdom begin to write a new story in our lives? Would your kingdom, your lordship, grip us in a new way right now? For some of you, it's happening this morning, right now. Your kingdom, grab us, God. Grab us, God. And Lord, for for those of us that you you have a different design as to exactly how you're going to seize us, that's totally good. Would you mark us for that seizing this morning? And God, if you want to do it on the drive home, if you want to do it in the shower, if you want to do it in another country, we are a okay with whatever it looks like because you're in charge, not us. We will take whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, but we're just saying we want it. We want it if it's yours. We want it if it's yours. And so right now, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, You are the Spirit of God that brings the kingdom. Release your kingdom over these people, God. Release your kingdom over these people in Jesus' name. Bless you guys. I bless you guys. Thank you, Lord. Just stay here. We're going to stay in this moment just a little bit. Keep your heart open, keep engaged. So, I just heard some of us I actually want you to speak out what it is that you're you've been holding on to that you're choosing to give up. I want you to say it to the Lord. Lord, I give you this. Okay, it doesn't have to be loud. You don't have to scream it. The person next to you doesn't have to hear it, but it's got to be that choice. I'm choosing to yield this to you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Receive our sacrifice. Receive our offering, God. We give you our lives. We give you our lives, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, I think there's some of us that God has been, He's already been talking to us About the next step of something. He's been stirring something in our hearts, and and we've been uh, maybe insecure, maybe afraid, or maybe just resistant because the cost has been too much. And if, if that's uh, something that's happening in your life, I believe there's just a real invitation to say yes to that specifically for you. And so if that's you, would you stand up right now? Yeah. Would you go ahead and stand up saying, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm gonna say yes to that thing. I'm gonna stop resisting it. <laughs> I'm gonna say yes to that thing. And I know uh, prayer people, if we can kind of whenever you're done with whoever you're praying to if we can come over to some of these people that are standing yeah there's there's three or four of them over here i know yeah and just lay hands let's again let's agree let's minister to one another usher in that that transition that transition we were talking about those moments threshold moments this is a threshold moment for you thank you father father Thank You, Father. Lord, we just say yes to what you're, what you're calling them to next. We say yes to that. We come into agreement with that, Lord. We don't just repent, we believe. We believe this is what You're doing, God. And we say yes. And Holy Spirit, I ask that You would for them right now, release what they need for this thing that you're calling them to. That you'd release, God, the ability to believe that they can do it. That you'd release uh, the resources that they need to do it. That you'd release the spiritual authority that they need. Lord, that you'd release everything that they need for this thing that you're calling them to. And I just speak over you guys that this is His assignment, not yours. This is His assignment, not yours. And so you can, you can walk knowing He'll take responsibility to get this done too. He'll take responsibility to provide. He'll take responsibility to get it done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I think there's, I think there's probably kind of a different set of us, who are down here. That I believe the Lord actually just wants to to kind of give you a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. It's, you've just been real dry. It's been hard. It's been you've been you've been maybe in the kingdom battle, but you know we got to be filled over and over again. And so if if you need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, I. I want you will you stand or just kinda of wave your hand a little bit? There's enough happening here. I need you to signal so we can see. Alright? Got over here, just kinda of wave your hand, alright? Over here, over there. Can we can we get a few people? Then there's actually back there and over there. And this is this is fair for anyone who's out there as well. Just just we need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, a, a refreshing, a, a strengthening, a, a re-envisioning. And, and just keep your hand up, keep it waving until we've got probably at least two people with you, okay? At least two people. There's Over here, there's a couple uh, people over here. Can we get a couple of people? Yeah, I know there's, there's a lot going on here. Right right here, we could we could get a couple of people right here. Yeah. Holy Spirit, would you fill your people afresh? Would you fill your people afresh? In the last days, the Spirit of God will be poured out on all flesh. Pour out your Spirit upon them right now, God. Pour out your Spirit upon them right now, God. That's right. And empower them, Lord, with your Spirit. Empower them with their Spirit. Give them juice that's beyond their juice. (laughs) Give them juice that's beyond them. Your juice, God. Fill them up with your presence, with your power, with your life, with your enabling. All of it, God. All of it, God. Yeah. Fill her up, God. Fill her up, God. Yeah. Jesus. Fill her up, God. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Spirit of the Lord's on you, Lisa. There it is. Yeah. Just receive that. Receive that. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled. There it is. Power of the Holy Spirit afresh. There. The power of the age to come come upon you. Fill you again. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. Yes, God. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. This is the kingdom of God breaking in upon you. This is the kingdom of God breaking in upon you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Be filled with the Spirit of God. More, Jesus. More, Jesus. Yes, Lord. More, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We just declare over this body
1: that there is no retirement in the kingdom of God. Age does not matter. There is no
2: retirement. Yes, God Lord. Retirement. Hold on. Can we get him a microphone? No, not. It's a new season for you. You've got more time to bring more kingdom of activity.
1: No
2: retirement in the kingdom. <laughs> Do do we have a microphone? Here, yes. Scott, would you pray that again over the microphone? I think that's more than just for the people right here. (laughs) Yeah, we just declare over this body, those in the chairs and those up front, that there is no retirement in the kingdom of God. There is no retirement. Age does not dictate a move of the kingdom. In fact, you've
1: got more time.
2: You've got more time now to invest in kingdom activity. So there's no retirement. So those of you that feel like you're in an age of retirement, we just ask you now, Holy Spirit, Mm. to come and touch those people. Fill them again. Fill them up afresh. Renewed energy. Renewed strength. More, Lord, more. more. Mm. Yes, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Every generation, every generation, and male and female too, every generation, Spirit of God, I ask for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.